Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, everybody, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. And do you know what? I'm absolutely delighted today because today is something a small a bit different. Today, we're going to take a look at the Academy. And I was thinking myself and Paddy could do that. We could take a look at it and butcher what we barely know about the Academy. And then I said, do you know what? Let's go to the source. Let's go to let's go to somebody who knows an awful lot more about the Academy and devotes an awful lot of time. And I'm delighted to be joined by at Academy AVFC, the Villa, the Villa Academy on Twitter. And Charlie, how are you doing today? I'm awesome, thank you. I, uh, I think uh, following this, some people might be debatable about uh, knowing more about the Academy, but certainly <laughs> I follow them maybe a bit more than some people do. <laughs> and, and you know what? It's a, it's a great time to be following the Academy because the Academy is going to form, I suppose, well, we hope the Academy is going to form the backbone of where, uh, where, where um, the I suppose the, the next stream of kind of great talent is going to come through, and and let's not kind of kid ourselves. This is the academy has been something that has been kind of I think it was originally the brainchild of John Gregory, if I remember rightly, going back to going back to those days of those heady days of John Gregory and 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 Doug and Doug Ellis, and he put an awful lot of effort into the academy. And over those years, we produced players that have gone on playing in the in the mostly in the football league as opposed to being in the Premier League. We've had the odd. The odd person who's come through and played in the Premier League, but I think really with the emergence of the likes of Jack Grealish and obviously Gary Gary uh, Cahill that was prior to that, and then we've got players at the moment that are, are are pushing forward, Jacob Ramsey's and so on. It's an exciting time to be to to um to be looking after the Villa Academy. But uh, I, I suppose how long have you been been uh, a, a connoisseur of the Villa Academy? Well, I'm um, I'm sort of mid twenties at the moment, so my experience sort of growing up was um, always sort of having an interest in what used to be the reserves, and um, obviously growing up there was the the next gen series, which obviously um, was quite uh, popular with Villa fans because of the coverage that it got, and obviously winning it made made a big difference. But um, I think I don't know. There's always just been sort of a, a an interest in sort of following the paths of players and if that's not with Villa is you're sort of watching Soccer Saturday um, and you're seeing names pop up scorers and, and players in the discussions on the um, on the coverage 
and you're sort of thinking to yourself, is that the, the one that used to play for Villa? Uh, mm. So you have a quick Google uh, and you have a look at the, the squads of the years that they played for Villa and, and just little things like that have always um, sort of stuck with me in my head and I guess that sort of came to fruition um, with how popular sort of following the academy has become um, when I, I made the account a couple of years ago. And thank God you did because I I don't think I'm going to get into trouble for saying this with anybody, but up until probably last year or the year before, the club kind of kind of more or less forgot that the academy even was a thing, and you know it was very difficult to get to get some concrete details on on players coming through on on results, and the results might come back come back come out days later. And um, there had there was a as I say there was a, a couple of accounts that came they they came up on Twitter and started to focus on that. <coughs> Excuse me, and I think it was a case whereby the more that the regular Joe on the street or the regular fan could see what was happening in the academy, the more that it snowballed into a great um <coughs> a great kind of interest for all the fans, and obviously culminating with the FA Cup win. I think that dragged a lot of people with them. And, you know, there was some people, and me included, I was waiting for stuff to pop up on Villa TV so that I could watch it almost as much as I was waiting for stuff to pop up on on, uh, on any of my regular streaming sites so that I could watch the, 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 the senior men's team as well. So it gives a great kind of camaraderie feeling or a great kind of family feel when the fans get as interested in the academy as they do in the senior, in the senior team. Do you feel that? I think that's it, and and going back to what you said there, I, I, to be honest, I still don't think the club's coverage of the academy is really, really up to scale, um, with the amount of interest uh, in it. Um, like granted, the streaming the games and uh, the, the highlights videos and things like that, and and the occasional interview, uh, a steps in the right direction. But I still think, particularly, um, the under 18s more so than the under-23s last season. Obviously, that's becoming under-21s. But under-18s play a game on a Saturday and and typically um, the schedule that I've noticed is a a match report goes up on the Monday. And it's it's just tiny things like that. Surely it must be possible for a club of Villa size and with the uh, the spending power that they they seem to want to be putting into the the sort of commercial side of the the club that... um, more can be done and and again that's one of the reasons that I started it is so that um, information is more readily available sort of as and when it happens rather than waiting three days to find out just literally basic information who scored the goals against um, I don't know a game against West Ham or something like that and I just find it a bit ridiculous that we have to wait days for for that sort of information Yeah and and I suppose you know, I used to often think before, was it something to do with, I don't know, child protection or something like that, whereby it wouldn't be a case yeah. where they would highlight kids' names and stuff because there were times when we had 15-year-olds playing in the under-18s 18s team and, and I'm still sure that that's still probably still do exactly yeah. what's going on at the same time. And I could probably understand that for sure, that there may be kind of a, 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 a child liaison kind of factor to it that they might have to leave it a couple of days and so on. But um, you see it with other teams as well. You know, you see that, like, um, I, I remember, what was it, last year, United had some, I can't remember his name now, some started 15-year-old who was playing in the yeah, under-18s yeah. under team. And they basically had him plastered everywhere. And uh, even that guy that they have now, the, what, I can't, can't pronounce his name, Garnacho, the, the mm-hmm. Argentinian guy, when he was only like, 
15, 16, they had him plastered everywhere as well. So that's yeah. that kind of that kind of blew that theory out of my mind that it was a uh, it was uh, something to do with maybe the ages of these kids and so on. And they were playing, and there had to be a, a cooling off period before you could actually yeah. dox them, for want of a better word. <laughs> I think the theory that I've always had um, with the academy stuff is that the club seemed to not like the hype. For players, and good point. Yeah, maybe maybe that they uh, they see that as um, boosting ego, and and, I, and that's kind of one of the things that I'm always a little bit skeptical of doing is is sort of putting out um, content that sort of really is sort of going to the levels of, of what you consider hype, um, and I, I think that plays into the the, the theory of the club. Um, maybe sort of restricting access to the under-18s a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I, like I say, I think it's a little bit sort of predated. The example I always use is, is a, a club like Arsenal, uh, and they, mm. they kind of set the, set the example that I think clubs should follow. Um, and I think um, Crystal Palace are another good example of sort yes. of um, recognising what they have and, and realising that fans really want to to um, sort of indulge in content and um, just know who who are the guys coming through, who who are the who are the names that we should be keeping an eye on, and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, Arsenal and, and Palace both um, stream a lot of their under tw- well under twenty one games are, are sort of a given at this level, but um, under eighteen games and, and things like that, and I think that's massive for sort of harbouring interest in the academy. You made a great point there, and people who listen to the podcast will go, oh, he's not going on about Man City and, and Southampton and all the deals they've done between themselves again. But yes, I am going to do go on about that, because like I, I have this big feeling, and look, Southampton have to look after themselves, and I 100% agree with that, and that's absolutely no problem. This isn't a ne- real negative in Southampton, but um, I'm at the stage where I believe that no English team should do business with Man City anymore because every penny we put in our pocket is widening the gap between Manchester City and mm. every other team in the Premier League. And when you see that Man City just just as you said there about the, the hyping up of players and the using a, using of that maybe to um to make these players get these players' names out. It can work negatively as you mentioned previously and I do think it's a bit archaic to think that that oh we don't want these to be bigger than than they should be. They already are like the gone are the days of where they have to clean the boots of the of the senior senior professionals, you know, at the club, or <clears throat> or whether on the the YTS schemes, or whether staying in digs with uh, Mary down the road, or whatever. Like gone are those days. Like now they're getting proper cash in in the majority of instances, or in some of the instances, should I say? So if they're good enough, they're going to have agents. They're going to have agent agents agents up, and they're going to have um, representation. You know, with regards to with regards to what goes on specifically as they go become 17, 18, 19 and start signing their first professional contracts. So those days are gone. But Man City have obviously done great PR, PR work with Darko Gaiadi with uh, and with uh, Romeo Romeo Lavia because they've gone they've gotten five million for one person. They've gotten they've gotten fourteen million for another person. And it looks like they're going to be selling somebody else. I can't remember what his name was um there's another gentleman that looks like he's going to be going to be uh, going out for for um, a double figure sum, like over ten million, to another team soon. These guys aren't playing any senior football. Like Lavia played, I think, two league cup games, I think potentially, but he's played no senior game within the league, and he's gone for fourteen million. Like 
that has like to me that is mind blowing. Like that's that's some leap of faith for Southampton. Us. And I know that Southampton have just hired the guy who was the head of youth development with Man City, and he's gone in there and he's the he's he's or he's the head of youth scouting for Man City's academy, and he's gone into Southampton now as a scout, a chief scout for their senior team. So he does know these guys better than most, but. My God, like Villa, Villa, like it would be inconceivable that a team would come in and spend and spend 14, 15 million on a Villa youngster, as we can see with Carney Chukwemekas. We will probably we will get onto in a moment the fact that we're looking at losing him for pennies on the dollar, and that really gets me and it really irks me because if that's supposed to be a a business model going forward, if Man City already corner that market and make it very difficult to come into that market, well then what's the point? You know, so I I get very get very annoyed at stuff like that when I see that happen. I think the thing um, with what you said there with Man City, I, I can see like it almost becomes its own. Like you're saying, it's almost sort of um, its own micro market, and, and teams mm. are, are basically buying these players off off the basis of the trust of Man City's academy. They know Man City are, are one of the most unique academies for creating players, and uh, if a player does become available almost how we see um a premium on premier league english players um any player that's leaving man city now has a premium on them because they've made it through the city academy and and that in itself sort of garners a fee um and it, it's not to say that the players won't be successful but yeah it, it does sort of raise I, I can see southampton fans thinking um not what's going on here if we're signing a guy that's not played a Premier League minute for fourteen million pounds, fourteen million pounds back it back even five, six years ago would have got you someone that's made fifty Premier League appearances mm. and, and and guarantees you a certain level of performance. And and look, this could turn out to be a masterstroke for Southampton and I know that they are kind of retooling, relooking at how they, they kind of look at their business. Um, they've had a bit of movement in in the boardroom over the last couple of years as well, and and this may be something that they, they might be looking at, and it may work out for them. Um, and I've specifically not mentioned somebody like Gavin Bazuno because I think Gavin Bazuno is a super signing for them because I've seen I've watched him an awful lot for Ireland, yep. watched him a lot at Shamrock Rovers, followed his career at Portsmouth, that uh, where he was on loan last season. He's a damn good goalkeeper, uh, and and to be honest, I'm just delighted from a from a, um, a, an Irish point of view that we don't have. Like we were at risk of have of, of of becoming the the international team that had two of the better reserve goalkeepers in the league with Gavin Bazuno and Quivin Kelleher, uh, and you know we seem to be able to produce goalkeeper after goalkeeper after goalkeeper over the years between Packy Warner, between uh, Shea Given, you know, and all those players, Alan Kelly that came up through. If we could just start producing outfield players to the same clip that we do goalkeepers now, it would be fantastic. But I'm delighted for him. He's gone off. He's made his he's made his name. And you know, you look at any of the the top. Promising, uh, like like the the next stars of the of the game. Kevin Bazuno gets mentioned as a goalkeeper, so you know it's good that he's playing first team football, and hopefully he goes on and he and he fulfills his promise. But that's not Aston Villa, and we really <laughs> I, I should really curtail myself to talk about Aston Villa. I just need to get that off my chest, um, from a from an academy point of view. And it's not all, as I say, it's our our academy would be up there, I think, if we were to put it alongside any of the other academies. And thank God it's up there because we've created some really great players. Obviously, as we mentioned, Jacob Ramsey. Um, most uh, most notably over over the last year or two, but 
Let's talk about the the your under nineteen competition that just happened, and we had three people obviously on that team: two that we fostered ourselves, and one that we came in and polished up. But let's just say in young Tim. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about those three guys and what you've seen from them over the last uh, last few years that you've been you've been really cataloging the academy. How far can they go? And I think that's a kind of a rhetorical question. But tell me what your what your views on those three guys are. Well, uh, I think the easiest place to start is is Carney Chukwemeka. Um, he, he, I, I think if they had a, a player of the tournament, he would have easily been player of the tournament. Um, he was the he, he, sort of similar to what we've seen in the in the Villa Academy. You sort of watch a team and you think to yourself, "Wow, this guy is levels levels above the players that are, are even on the same team as him," and and a team that's won. Um, European Championships, like he was by far and away, like the the, the definitely the the, the most um, the most exciting prospect. I think he is probably the best way you could put it. Um, definitely from the midfield, and I know there were a couple of other players who impressed. But yeah, but I think anyone as a neutral and and seeing the response on Twitter saw um, a lot of love for Carney Chukwemeka. Um, I think the the main thing um, is kind of it, it's it's sort of always been that way. Like it, watching um, clips of under 18s games when he when he was first coming into that side, and you just see someone who physically dominates, um, mm. technically dominates. His his ability to carry the ball is is it's. No, I'm ridiculous. It, it's it's something that, as a football fan watching your game, watching a game, um, casually, it's it's the kind of thing where you sort of sit back and notice, and, and you're like, oh, th- this kid's really special. And he is special, and it's something that I think a lot of Villa fans. Well, every Villa fan knows. I think at this stage, you know, Christian Perslow came out and said, "We have the best under sixteen player in the country." potentially yeah. in Europe. you know, Christian Perslow was ballsy enough to come out and say that at the time, and it kind of sp- sparked an awful lot of ears. Uh, and then not long later, Dean Smith had him training with the first team. Obviously, he's had X amount, however many amount of senior appearances, and he's only, what, 18? Not even 19 yet? Um, but we're obviously in the situation now whereby other teams know about him, and, and this kind of is, is where the Man Cities of this world are able to tie down their players very early on big contracts. Now, I would imagine they were they're paying their 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 youth players big money to keep them on contracts early and young when they can sign them, and longer longer term deals. But we're in a situation whereby potentially Kenny Chukwueka might might leave at the end of next season or maybe the end even this season, and and it would be go it would go to arbitration. So hopefully that doesn't happen because generational talent comes through. Obviously every generation that's why it's called generational talent. And for it to happen at Aston Villa with regularity would be nice to see because Jack Grealish, like him or load him, guys, is a generational talent. I fully believe that Jacob Ramsey could be a generational talent. And if we were to have a three-in-a-row hit rate over the space of, what, maybe eight years at the club, that would be a fantastic, fantastic return for a club that's really only now putting massive efforts into their academy um, over the last three or four years. And I think that I think the signing or the tying down of somebody like Kearney is actually quite pivotal to to how the how the academy is viewed going forward as well. Now, obviously, look, it's not it's completely outside of out of our control what he what he decides to do based on his contract status. 
But I think the club will move heaven and earth to try and keep him. And if they don't, well, then I don't think we can label any criticism, I suppose, really at the club for at least not giving it a good fight on the way down. I think, um, well, one of the things actually relevant to what you said there is um, the comparison to Grealish and to Jacob Ramsey. Because Chukwameka, I think, would be the first example of someone that we've recruited from elsewhere. Uh, yes. Who's gonna come on to be that that sort of um, without wanting to to again delve into that that term hype, but that that one who who looks as if he has the potential to be a superstar, and um, he came from Northampton, I think, when he was thirteen, fourteen. There's a ridiculous picture mm-hmm. of um, an under fifteen tournament um, where you've got Aaron Ramsey, Arden Royke, players that were all involved in the FA Youth Cup win. And and Chukwameka's there with them, and it's kind of ridiculous to see how that that has progressed on. And now yeah. we're talking about these same players. Um, well, it'd be five, six years down the line, um, with real possibility of, of becoming first team, if not squad members, regulars. And and yeah, Carney Chukwameka definitely is at the forefront of that. But then. With that, I, I'm really, really excited about Tim Oric Boonham thinking about another uh, uh, squad mm. member um, from, that, from that England squad. Tim Oric Boonham is, um, I, I think he's the perfect modern example of what they want a, a, a quote unquote number six to be. Um, he's, again, physically dominant, which I think is, is kind of the, the baseline for what you're sort of casual football fan wants from a, a number six so he, he's up for those aerial battles but he's so technically proficient as well his passing range is insane at times um in his first game uh, as a villa player uh, we played uh, nottingham forest in premier league two and um one of the passes he pulled off to, uh, to um, i think it was uh, the pass before the assist uh, but it it, it, it it was kind of a real sort of um, a marker laid down of, of what was to come. And, and his, his rise actually through the season um, shouldn't be missed because he came in, um, at, he I think he won Academy Player of the Season at West Brom the year. Yep. Obviously, they got to the FA Youth Cup semi-finals and were beaten by Villa. And that's kind of... Um, a sign of our power uh, as probably the dominant club in the West Midlands in terms of the academy, but obviously the the arrival of Mark Harrison sort of accelerated the the ability to to sort of dominate that market a little bit more. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I I I think it's clear to see that the 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 staff at Villa really do rate Oreg Boonham. Like I, I don't think you come into to a team as a, a as a, a new player, let's be realistic, at the start of the season and and by um January, February you're already making Premier League squads and making your Premier League debut. Yeah. That that is true. Like and that is like obviously we're not gonna sit here and claim he's one of our own. Too. Well, he is one of our own because he's a Villa fan. <laughs> there's there's videos and there's there's uh, photos of himself and Louis Barry in the whole end as mates, as kids. You know, which I think is absolutely amazing. Now, I wonder is it is it actually them? One of them, it looks like both of them to be honest with you. But I've seen those photos, I've seen those videos of them in, in the whole end um, as as kids. So 
uh, that is nice. So we can't call him one of our own. But obviously, you know, a lot of the donkey work in kind of making him the player he was today, or at least bringing him to the caliber of Premier League, was done in, in the West Brom Academy. Even when West Brom were last in the Premier League, there was calls from their fans to give play the kids, give him specifically a chance. And uh, he's gotten his chance in the Premier League now against Norwich with Aston Villa. And I was there. I was there that day to see to to see him play. And I thought that he acquitted himself really well. Um, and the next year, I think, is going to be superb for him, whether it be out on loan with QPR or with whoever, with Stoke, I think, are interested in him too. And There's a lot of, a lot of good championship teams that will, will be interested in him. And it will be interesting to see if he stays around. I think he potentially could stay around if we don't get the reinforcements through the door that we really want. So exciting times for him as well. But I think there's somebody else that asked the third kind of leg on the stool of that, of those three guys that were with the Euros under 19, Euro under 19s. And I think he's somebody that could prove to be a real live wire and a real, um, you know, a real prospect. Obviously, people know who he is. It's Aaron Ramsey. But talk to me a small little bit about him because, you know, he did have a bit of a, a job off the bench for the under-19s in, in this tournament from time to time. But every time so, he came on, he made his minutes count. I think that's it. Um, he, he, well, I think, that first of all, that show that, definitely shows to you the strength of that England and 19 squad so it's mm. it's no shame in being uh, an impact player from the bench in that squad um, but yeah I think he's um, he's definitely someone that probably more than most probably more than I would say Orabunam and Chukwameka require that that sort of exposure to the loan market um, and knowing how last season went on loan at Cheltenham I think there is still a, a touch of sort of getting used to the physicality and getting used to the nuances of men's football because of kind of the, the, the position he plays and um, the freedom that he got within the Villa under 23s. Um, and that sort of enabled him to dominate a little bit. Um, but as a player, again, technical beyond anything you could expect. Um, he's always looking to be active in the final third, and the final third is where, where he really shines as a player. Um, goals and assists. Um, I, I've sort of thought of a comparison when I've, I've been watching him. He's, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of um, a similar play style as to, to a Frank Lampard or someone like that who will rise. Oh, yes. Box, Sign uh, me up for that. Like, <laughs> um and that's it. He's I, I, I don't like referring to him as a goals and assists player because that's a little bit reductive of the, all the other qualities that he's got. But mm-hmm. um, at times for uh, the 23s last season, before he went out on loan, he was almost playing as a, a second striker. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's probably um, indicative of some of the... the maybe the difficulties that he had during that initial loan spell because I think he's gone from someone who has abundant freedom to basically be the creative force in um, a Premier League 2 and the 23 team to being someone who, who now has a bit more responsibility in a, uh, a league team that are fighting for position, fighting for points. And I think uh, a lot of the talk with Aaron Ramsey seems to be around another loan move this season. Um and uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't begrudge that because I, I think there's a clear block um, in progression to the first team at the moment. We, we're quite uh, stifled in, in midfield uh, 
positions. So, um, yeah, I, I certainly would be looking. At, I, there was some talk of um, going back to Cheltenham for another loan. Um, and I, I can't see that being a problem. Again, be, being with a fan base that, that sort of understands who he is as a player. And I think um, understanding what he can do as a player as well. Um, and, and I think some frustration sometimes comes with fans as they see these clips of players scoring goals in Premier League to football and then they go to League One and it's yeah. a little bit rough for them and, and fans almost expect a bit too much. So again, going to a, a team where the fan base is sitting for half a season and understands him could be really important for Aaron Ramsey. But yeah, it's clear to see that Villa, again, do rate him. He... he uh, made his professional debut for Villa um, against Barrow in the League Cup, and, and, mm. and that's a, another clear indication that there's trust there with him um, from everyone behind the scenes. What I love about Aaron Ramsey is, and I love this about Jacob Ramsey as well, there's kind of almost an innocence about how good they are whenever you hear them speak. And, and what I mean by this is that. Like Jacob Ramsey comes across as a real level-headed guy, feet in the ground, family-orientated. Obviously, having his brother Zach Villa with him is probably a big, big support structure for him as well. But when I listened to a, a kind of a loan interview they did with uh, Villa, did this kind of loan kind of highlight with uh, Aaron Ramsey, and he was with Cheltenham. He basically spoke about wanting to be Jacob, and. I, that, there's something kind of quaint and there's something me, me, kind of old style, old school about that that I really like in it. It bodes well, as you mentioned, that the hype can get to some kids' ki, kids' heads. They don't really fulfill their promise because they think they've made it at 18, 19. I never get that feeling with this family, and I know that's a real intangible that you can't ever mark down anywhere, really, but you never really get that feeling with this family, with the two guys that have come so far, and long may that continue. And I thought it was kind of, it, it was quite nice the way that he almost spoke about him as if, he really looks up to his brother and his brother helps him and, st- and and things. It would be a great story because it doesn't happen as much anymore whereby you've got a group of brothers that actually break through onto the senior team and play together on the same team. Like I can't really even think of many other people that have done it other than God. Uh, Stefan and Luke Moore. Stefan and Luke Moore, yeah, for Aston Villa. But uh, like that, that kind of fell apart very quickly. But I've yep. done it with kind of longevity. The Neville brothers is probably the last one I yep. can think of. And I'm sure there's other people out there that would say, oh, do you not remember this, this, the, this, and this? The, uh, the De Boer brothers. Yes, the De Boer brothers. Yeah, it's not It's not likely, that, as I said, that it would um, happen too often whereby you would have two people go on to make, let's just say, 100 appearances for, for a club together or, yeah. or, or even our country together. So if we've got the opportunity to do that with two people who are two highly thought of players and apparently the younger brother, whose name I can never remember, I think it's DJ, Cole. I'm not 100%. Is it Cole? Um, yeah. Well, I got that one completely wrong. Cole, <laughs> apparently he's supposed to be an absolute banger of a player as well. But uh, so, so long may, long may the Ramsey family continue to procreate <laughs> and keep them coming through the Villa ranks, if that is the case. <laughs> but talking, I suppose, about that, and, and look, we could talk about individual players till the cows come home. And look, we could touch on Louis Barry, we could touch on Ken Kessler Hayden, we could touch on, on all these other players, I think, that are going to be going to be coming near the, the, the first team um, sooner than later. But let's take a delve back into the actual academy itself because, you know, with your expertise, I'd like to kind of know, is there any kind of hot shots that are, are lurking in the academy that we'd like to keep our eye on for next year? Um, that should be the players that we're looking at to kind of really tear up the academy structure next year? So I think um, 
people who know me personally, I, I, I rave about Tommy O'Reilly. Um, I, I love watching Tommy O'Reilly play football. Um, he reminds me a little bit of... Um, I, I've started calling him um, Tommy O with an umlaut on because he reminds me a little bit of the way Meza Ozil uh, played football. <laughs> um, uh, and the, um, the academy players uh, call him Little Foden. Like, and he, he's, he's just an absolute joy to watch at times like just constantly um positive constantly trying things um and we saw that a little bit yesterday at Warsaw um that first sort of 20 minutes of the the second half um obviously he got his assist to the Watkins goal but there were a couple of um nice little flicks and it, it kind of um that's how he plays he, he's kind of um expressive um it's not all about sort of um, being a rigid player, sometimes you've got someone who who only makes a pass a certain way, but he he'll play passes off different parts of the feet. He'll sort of shape his body and and try flicks and things like that. And um, yeah, he's someone that I'm I'm really keen to see more of this season. I I think that there's the possibility that he may go on loan because towards the back end of last season he was really sort of standing out as the guy to watch from the the 23s and obviously again what's now going to become the under 21s with the, the changing format of PL2 um, beyond O'Reilly um, again we saw a little bit of him towards the back end of last season Caden Young um, he's only yes. 16 and and Caden Young there was there's one particular match at the end of last season where he scored his first PL2 goal um, just again really sort of expressive um unafraid to try things as a 16-year-old going into under-21 football is a really important thing to see for me. Um, but yeah, really tricky, really skillful, direct. And um, that sort of game against Newcastle, it, it sort of made me think, mm, I've not seen much of this this guy up to now, but yeah, I think this is this is a guy that clearly does have something, something to work with. And again, with the inclusion in the under-23s quite a bit last season, I think we'll see him more in that sort of starting role um, this season um, beyond him again I'm, I'm sorry it's easy to, to get drawn to attacking players um, no. but yeah. Ayani uh, Birchall um, signed yes. from the Bournemouth um, last summer and had a difficult first season um, one of the the first games that he played for Villa was uh, a 10-0 win against Norwich in the under-18s and then it sort of tailed off a little bit from there. Under 18s didn't didn't have the the best of seasons results wise. Birchall, um, I know, was injured for it might have been three or four months. So I, I think this season's a key one for him. And I, I wonder whether he'll be making the step up to 23s this year, or 21s, I should say, um, this season. Um, coming in with that sort of caliber of first team experience with Bournemouth, um, that's where I'd expect him to be playing this season but again there's there's good numbers of players in those positions so it's not like we we are struggling for for players um in an, an attacking sense and then um i think going going uh backwards um another guy that i, I really enjoy watching um at the moment is um Jaden barber so yes Jayden i was barber, going to bring his name up yeah he yeah. seems to be really exciting people seem to think we're going to become uh, right back, uh, the, the the home of new international right backs, so Kagan Kessler Hayden and 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 then Jaden Barber coming hot in his heels afterwards. So yeah, Jaden Barber uh, again, he's kind of the the typical modern fullback, and and um, 
something that I think becomes uh, has become more um, acute in football at the moment is the understanding that fullbacks really nowadays become almost central midfielders, or, or they share the same skill set of what we we attribute to a, a central midfielder yes. going back. Um, Barber is is brilliant. Um, he uh, often plays inverted, uh, and so they were playing a style to match the 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 first team at times. And so he was he was um, a real attacking force. And again, to be playing under twenty one football, um, I think he's still sixteen, um, max seventeen, um, is again just a, an indication of um, not only the the reputation that, that he's earned in the academy but also the trust in the player and um, yeah he's definitely someone that I'll be I'll be watching more keenly this season because uh, of the uh, the reputation that he's earned um, Another player that we've heard a small little bit about uh, recently and he seemed that he was called up to potentially be with the, the first team training with the first team this, this off season is Ruben Shackbook and um, Obviously, came in with a huge, huge, huge label coming from Norwich. He'd scored like a bazillion goals, if I remember rightly. Kind of like yes. what Rory Wilson is coming in from Rangers. Um, that this uh, Shackbook had scored like, like he was scoring three, four, five goals a game as a, as a sixteen-year-old, and he's a big, tall guy and and so on. Things didn't really work out for him. He had a lot of injuries, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, last season. But what's your views on him, or do you know uh, is do you know a lot about him? Uh, so um, he's quite. Um, with the way the under-18s work we don't really get to see much of them so the, the, the little bits that I've watched are, are mostly um, the Youth Cup game against Leicester mm-hmm. where he made his comeback from injury um, he came on as an, uh, an impact sub and the team certainly looked better for his presence on the pitch um, quite a powerful striker so um Again, you you sort of look at, um, at youth football sometimes, and you, and you see these guys that are um, developing at a quicker rate than perhaps the other players around them. And Shaq Poker, I think, is definitely one of those. Um, so you look at him, and you think, right, that's a guy who, um, given a good couple of years, he's someone that has the attributes to be um, a serious footballer. Um, the main thing for him now, I think, he's going to be playing time because even following the, the games on, on the apps that I use, um, even towards the back end of last season, where he was, you, you sort of think to yourself, right, he's getting over these injuries. It's time to get some more solid playing time, get some goals. Um, I, I, I think in the second last game of last season, he came off with an injury again. Um, and I, I think this, this sort of shows how... Um, Toxic, toxic is probably the wrong word, but almost how volatile um, academy football sometimes can be because a yes. guy can have all the attributes in the world, but if if you can't handle it physically um, or, or your body can't handle it, then it, it, it's it's hard to, to sort of harbour that career that you want. Um, but yeah, again, he's certainly someone who, who fans will know the name of because of the uh, the reputation that we, that he came in with. Um, it's not quite happened so far, but it wouldn't surprise to to see him. Um, I think it'll probably be a step up to the 23s, maybe on the bench. Might be someone who we see go from under 23s bench to under 18 starting on the Friday, Saturday. 
Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd enjoy seeing him just, first of all, nail down some minutes, consistent minutes. And, and if naturally goals will come from, from that because he, you can tell from watching him, he's, he's a goal scorer. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and as I say, if you could have those two legendary 16, 17-year-old goal scorers uh, progress through together in the likes of Rory Wilson and Ruben Shackbok, well, then you're saving yourself, you know, quite a lot of money over time if you can if you can develop strikers as you mentioned there you know you try to keep yourself from being drawn towards attacking minded players <clears throat> but if you can develop attacking minded players through your academy and luckily we have been able to do that in the recent past that can save you cash further down the line and now you know I'm I'm, I'm a big believer in saving ourselves cash in the full back positions like Liverpool have done or Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold I think Ben Crescent Chris Enig can be that guy, and I think that Hayden, Ken, Kessler Hayden can be the other guy on the other side. And once again, you know, they're, they make the rooms that we have there, as I say, if you've got two or three left-backs, two or three right-backs, and if you don't have to consistently be buying people in to bring them in to, to play that position, if you can grow your own, well, it cheapens the room itself and allows you to, to prioritise your money in other areas because the money pit at Aston Villa, I think, is going to run out very soon. Um, so I think the academy is going to be... Going to be um, going to be looked upon more favourably if we do get these guys through uh, for, for absolute truth. I, I think that's been the mindset um, since uh, Nasser Sawyer and Wes Edens came into the club and, and to an extent Christian Perslow um, is the guy that sort of um, set this in motion but that, that real mindset of let's be one of the biggest recruiters of European talent while we can get yeah. those players in the academy and then um nurture them as best we can and and obviously we're going to talk about the change in, in coaching structure and it's maybe not quite happened so far um, and whether we can attribute that to the coaching structure um, might be a question that needs to be raised but um, but yes certainly is bring in the players and compete with other clubs for players who are hotly rated when Lamar Bechada came in uh, there was talk of, of places like Borussia Dortmund and and other clubs in England that were chasing him and and we were able to sell ourselves as the best product to him and so the more we can be that club who uh, identifies markets that um, are producing players get them into the academy and and uh, like I say nurture um, those skills and nurture those per uh, personalities it's um, a little bit of a cash cow, really, because you're you're yeah. not only increasing the value of players that you're signing for less money, but if they go on to become those first-team players, then even better. Yeah, and, and as you said, my, my rant on Man City kind of attests to that as well, that, you know, uh, I just kind of feel like Man City have stolen a march and teams and doing that, and uh, it's it's up to us now to kind of put that into overdrive. But then again, we've been doing it as well. You mentioned the Johnny Virtual, Josh Feeney, Lamar Boga. <laughs> Excuse me, Svinkels. You know, they yep. didn't all just grow off trees in, in our own B6. They were, they were players <laughs> that were bought, brought into the club at a young age and identified. identified and uh, I suppose really work on doing that as well. Because you, very few of the Man City products that are coming through their academy are 
guys that rocked up now Phil Foden is obviously but guys that rocked up at like seven years of age with their their mother and father dropped them off at a summer camp and all of a sudden got signed in a contract you know they're guys that have been carefully curated and scouted throughout the likes of Belgium with Lavia throughout the likes of uh, wherever else you know with these players that are coming through they're scouted they're brought into the academy at maybe 15 16 years of age they're given maybe two two year crash course not crash course, but to your uh, acclimation to really good, proper training, and then they're being sold on, or being being hyped up, or being moved on for for um for, for cash and that uh, on the back end then as well before they ever make any appearances. So maybe that's a, as you say that could be a cash cow in the future as well. But to, to do that, you're gonna have to keep winning FA Cups, youth FA Cups. You're gonna have to get your you're gonna have to keep your academy at a cat one, which won't be an issue for Aston Villa, obviously. But you're gonna have to maybe get get up into the upper echelons of of that league. Uh, you know, in the specifically in the twenty ones and the eighteens, and, and start to you know to, to to be competitive there, and that can be difficult, I suppose, to do it in a short space of time. But them's the goals, I suppose, when you look at them, um, and when when the when the academy is is looking at that. And you mentioned about the coaching structure changes. Obviously, we've seen we've seen Mark Laney depart recently, and he's been um, he's been replaced. What are your views on the coaching structure at the academy? Any changes that have happened recently? So. Um... I think one of the things that I've always been sort of aware of and, and one of the things that maybe uh, has changed a lot recently with a lot more clubs is this um, affiliation to former players. And you often saw players taking up roles in the clubs that they played a lot of their career with. I know we're seeing it happen a little bit with Jack Wilshire now. He's rumoured to be going back to Arsenal uh, under-18s as coach. Um, but things like that. And I, I think clubs... Um, it sounds a bit um, cutthroat, but they they need to lose those bonds a little bit. And and if you can bring in someone who has a bit of a reputation, I I think I should caveat this with uh, this is not a criticism of Mark Delaney at all. I, I think First no chance. one no one um, really knew what to expect of Mark Delaney. First of all, when he got the job, but I think it's always been a little bit of a an unknown in, in what, what are his qualities as a coach. Um, but yeah, I think the more you can sort of almost compartmentalise it um, and become almost how the first team gets treated. You don't, you don't just give the, the job to the, the, the former player because they want the job. Um, and I, I think sometimes football has been a bit like that historically and it's changing to move beyond that. Um, Looking at the, the guys that have come in, Tony Carth, um, from what I can gather, seems to be a, a fairly revered coach. Um, I, I was watching a couple of interviews with him. Um, he speaks well. He, he seems to have a clear understanding of, um, and, and you'd expect so with a coach at this level, you'd, you'd expect them to have the understanding of... Um, not every player is going to go on to be the the um, the exemplary Premier League footballer. Um, and in one of the interviews that I watched, he was talking about that it's, as an academy, it's sort of about understanding that you're not really in it for the um, for the results. You're in it for the creating careers for for the mm. players, and whether that's yes. whether it, obviously the task is is doing that for the club first and foremost, Premier League club. And the more players that we can get making Premier League appearances, then perfect. But if, if they're not, and they're not capable, then you're creating people and you're creating players 
that go on to have good careers. And that kind of re- refers back to, to what we were talking about at the start, where you sort of go on and and you're watching Soccer Saturday and you're seeing these these players that you, you recognise the names of. Um, I think that that is a good thing as a coach, is to understand that your, your, your role is not just to... Um, serve the first team it's about serving football as a wider as a wider thing and and the more you can like say create players who go on to have good careers um i think when you sort of sit back at the end of your career and and you look back and and see a list of players that you've you've had a role in in um producing then I, i think that's not not only a good thing for the club but also a good thing for the individual as a coach Absolutely, and it, like it's one of those vocations you might even call it being a youth coach, where you have to be in it for the right reasons, you know, and you almost have to kind of pack your ego at the door, and say, right, this, this isn't about me. This is about me looking back and being like almost living vicariously through these kids as they do become superstars. Hope you hope that you have, you might get a golden generation of eleven and four. If of those eleven, you would be absolutely revered as being an unbelievably good coach if you got four of those 11 into the England under 18 or 19 squad and then they went on from the England under 19 to the 21s to be full internationals. They may not stay with the club that you're with, but the foundational levels that you will put in with them at the ages of 15, 16, 17, 18 years of age to get them to the international level, for them to keep themselves at international level, but that has to come back to where was the starting point. And if you can kind of pin your pin your pin that to your chest and say, well, those four guys, I had them all on the one team as, 80, as 17, 18 year olds, and they've all now gone on to be full England internationals. And, and it doesn't happen that likely, you know, but the, the immense sense of pride, it's almost like, you know, you, you'll, never, you'll never beat the pride of your own children going out on, on a field and, and, and having success, but it must come somewhere close to that. And, and, and I, think that, I think that senior managers sometimes don't have that pride because it's a very cyclical business whereby you get like two and a half years and then you're out the door. And it's a very, it is results orientated, as you said. Whereas the youth side of things isn't really results orientated from like goals and or from um, a win last point of view, but it's results orientated from the ability of these people getting better and better on a daily basis, and uh, it, it's it's a completely different beast, I suppose, to to, to full time management or to, to senior team management, should I say? Charlie, uh, you've been. This is it. Oh, sorry, uh, I cut you off. No, no, no worries. Um, and, and I was just going to say, I, I think this is uh, again one of the the. Um, the things that I, th- I think again more people are becoming to understand with academy football, and and again one of the things I try to reinforce on the account is is that sort of understanding that results aren't the be all and end all in terms of a win loss. It's it's about again a term that I, I don't really like using, but servicing the club as a whole, and mm. um, the more you can produce players that um, perhaps don't make it at Villa, but you you have value to and, and we can sell for fees perfect if they become um first team players then even better um but yeah they, they, I, I think um just uh, one of the other things actually to mention was the the two under 18s coaches that have come in um gerard nash and adam Attay. um gerard nash um actually i was a little bit interested in because he's, he's just come from the fai um, yes, which is yep. the Irish FA, and I, I, I wondered. I'd, again, I don't sort of have the concrete to, to back this up, but 
the Irish FA seem to have taken a bit of a, a punt at the moment on um, investing in youth talent and getting them to the highest level possible early right. to increase that exposure. So you mentioned Bazunu earlier. Um, uh, Amabamadeli from Norwich again. Yes, one that great they've invested, invested in quite a bit. Um, Jason Knight at Derby. Yeah. I, I'm still, I still go to bed at night and I still go. Maybe tomorrow will be the day I wake up where Jason Knight and, and Nathan Collins will be at Aston will be Aston Villa players. Make it happen. And I kind of feel like I feel like something of a Disney film. Like I'm always nearly at the bottom of my bed going, make it happen, whoever you are up there. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I guess that one of the other things to that, that play into that is is that we've got a couple of Irish lads in the in the youth teams at the moment. So Aaron O'Reilly is a centre back that plays for yep. the under eighteen. Um and Caleb McBride has come from north of the border, so north mm-hmm. north of Ireland. Um, he came in with a fair reputation, actually. He was signed for a, a, a six-figure fee. And it's it's hilarious to watch him because he's playing under 18s and he's a big, massive beard like yeah. Ricky V. Yeah, he's yeah. A big, like, <laughs> he looks so out of place. Like. <laughs> if you saw him walking down the street, you wouldn't think he was under 18. Okay. He's <laughs> so, definitely getting into nightclubs. Like, There's no, <laughs> no way in the world he's not. Like, and, and I'd say he's... Everybody else is walking up to the nightclub with him to try and get in, kind of a situation, yeah. <laughs> and then the other coach, Adamate, uh, Gerard Nash and Adamate both worked together at Ipswich. Um, they were both at the club when Ipswich reached the semi finals of the FA Youth Cup. So, again, and I think um, the thing with all three coaches is they're, they're coming from academies that are respected and, and yes. some of the, the more revered um, within English football, Ipswich. Um, probably less so than Blackburn, but they're all coming from clubs that have a good tradition of um, and a good reputation for bringing through players that are, are, are good good enough to play at the respective levels of their clubs. And look, that's that's exactly what we're looking for. And the churn of of managers or not managers, coaches, I suppose, really within within the academy. I think we'll see that over the years as as uh, as the academy progresses and as the hype around the academy begins to grow. I think coaches are as important. Attracting coaches are are, are as important as attracting players as well. And uh, that's not to say that we don't have good coaches there already, but there will be opportunities for some of those coaches to move on. There will be like there's a lot of coaches in youth football that stay for 10, 15 years and then retire, you know, which is which is absolutely fine. You know, everybody's allowed to put their feet up at sometimes. So be interesting to see. And it's interesting that you've mentioned those three guys that have come in because the club did kind of announce them in a small bit of fanfare as well. So I think they're as excited about them as um as 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 anybody else, you know, coming into the club as well, which is always good to hear. Jardy, thank you so much for your time today. I could literally spend spend another hour or two. I'm definitely <laughs> going to be getting you back on uh, if, yeah, if, so if you're willing to, to do to so. Because go down so it, many rabbit holes, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and and as I say, we didn't even touch on some of the players that people would have expected us to. As I said, the Louis Barrys, the Ken Kessler Haydens, and so on. But we're going to see plenty of them over the next few next few weeks. Uh, even though I would imagine they're all on the plane to to Australia. Even I think yeah. as we speak, I think they're going this morning. Yeah. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting, but I would be delighted to have you back on in the future uh, yeah, to talk uh, uh, about this, because uh, as I say, of all the teams that we have, the under 18s, the under 20, 23s, they're a more fluid situation and things change a lot quicker there. 
So there's a lot more information needed as new players break onto the scene. And, you know, even last season, I think midway during the season, we signed Declan Firth. All of a sudden, bang, bang, two goals in his first game. And you're like, wait a minute, where did this guy come from? And then you're (laughs) feverishly Googling going, how did Chelsea let this guy go? You know, and it's it's a case of it gets exciting very, very quickly. So we'll definitely... Uh, definitely, if you're up for it, we'll have you back on, on the podcast as many yeah, times as you need to over the, over the course of the year. Um, if you aren't already following the Villa Academy at Academy AVFC on Twitter, please do so. If you're not following them, you're doing Academy Twitter all wrong because that's where you <laughs> need to go to find your the, the, get your daily fix or your weekly fix of Academy stuff. So do go check him out, find him, and um, revel in the greatness that is uh, the reporting of, of the Academy structure. Um, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you so much uh, once again for, for your time today, Charlie. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. If you could uh, you know, maybe share this around, it would be nice to get a little bit of uh, an Academy buzz going. Um, but uh, as I say, if you just want to listen to it for yourself, that's okay too. We will be back again over the course of the next week. We've got tons more uh, content uh, coming up. Provided that I still continue to feel as good as I do right now, we will be lashing out the content over the next few days as we get ready for the for the matches in, in, in Australia. And uh, I'm getting really excited about the season, not only just from a senior point of view, but after talking to Charlie, from an academy point of view. So everybody stay safe, stay healthy. Thanks once again to you, Charlie. And all that's Thank left you. to say is up the villa. Podcast Network.